Every young athlete dreams of playing the game they love professionally. Very few will get that opportunity. Drew and Greg Doge join the A1P for an in-depth discussion on Drew's path to playing professional baseball. Despite being a gifted athlete, his decisions along the way were critical to his success. Choosing the best college for you as a player, lessons learned from teammates, a devastating injury right before the MLB draft, an unbreakable father-son bond, and coming home to coach at his alma mater, next on the Athlete One Podcast. Behind the scenes with athletes and coaches, this is Athlete One Podcast with Ken Carpenter. Hello and welcome to the 29th episode of the Athlete One Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Carpenter, and I'd like to take this time to thank all of our listeners and guests who've joined us along the way, and also to the netting professionals who are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting Professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for baseball and softball, including backstops, batting cages, BP turtles, BP screens, ball carts, and so much more. They also design and install graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, and dugout cubbies. And they're not limited to just that. The netting pros also work with football, soccer, lacrosse, and golf courses. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields and facilities throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707. That's 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Hello and welcome to the Athlete One Podcast. Joining me today on the Athlete One Podcast is head baseball coach Drew Dosh at Canal Winchester High School and his assistant coach and father, Greg Dosh. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Ken. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Great to be here. All right. Well, hey, I, I have to start off with the father-son relationship. Uh, Greg, you have a ton to be proud of with your son, Drew. But talk about your lifelong dream of getting an opportunity to coach with your son at the high school level. Well, I'm, I'm super proud of, of all three of our kids uh, to, to begin with. Um, I owe so much of that to my to my wife. Um, you know, I I would uh, teach him probably all the bad habits and everything, and she'd come along and, and correct correct all my my uh, misgivings. But uh, no, uh, super super proud of of, of Drew, um, and and just the 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 teacher, the young man, the the coach that that he's become. Uh, a ton of a ton of life experiences along the way. You know, he's a he's a rookie head coach, uh, or he was a rookie head coach this past year. But uh, you know, he's 29 years old because of his his professional career. So he's got a little bit of a of a heads up or a, a head start, I should say, 
um, on on some other you know younger younger coaches uh, because of the the life experiences and and uh, the things that that he's uh, had along the way. But as far as um, the lifelong dream part, um, you know, I remember way back uh, when the kids were really small. Uh, they wanted to always ride the gator to drag the field. Um, you know, they, the, the boys became bat boys. Uh, they were just all around gym rats um, to the point of when I started coaching them and, uh, you know, watching, watching Drew's career and, and now full cycle being able to, being able to coach with him. Um, I don't know exactly when. Uh, Drew and I started talking about, you know, the, the idea of coaching together, but I know it was probably a lot younger than, than what you would expect. Um, he and I, when he was playing with the Cobras way back when, you know, we were traveling all around the eastern United States and lots of time in the car together, and, and we'd talk about it. Uh, he'd mention, hey, Dad, you know, wouldn't it be cool someday if, if – uh, we were able to coach together. I became the head coach and you were my pitching coach or, you know, something like that. And I, I remember laying in, in hotel, hotel beds, you know, at, at, at those tournaments. And, and he would, he would bring that up too. So it's just something that that's uh, been, been discussed and talked about for a long, long time. And, and uh, you know, here, here we are today. It, it's just, it, it's, it was such a surreal moment. Um, that first first game down at Paint Stadium, uh, when when we beat Zane Trace and uh, all the kids signed the the game ball and and they asked me to present it to him after the game and um, it was a it was a pretty special pretty emotional moment to to be able to do that and kind of like handing handing the keys to the castle over over to your kid. Yes, well, Drew, you're you're in that head coaching spot now, and I I saw the tweet that you'd put out where. In, where a picture of you and your dad after that first game, and how much does it mean for you on that end to be to have him in the dugout with you? Yeah, I mean, like he said, it's it's absolutely awesome. I mean, it's just crazy as he touched on how full circle things have come, and and uh, from walking down to his varsity baseball practices when I was in elementary school, and and just walking out on the field and and looking around, and I, that that's what got me through the school day. To be honest, uh, was to go there and looking forward to being with the high school guys and my dad as the coach. And, and that's the same thing that I look forward to, to now is going out there with, with my dad as a coach and being around the guys that, that, uh, you know, work so hard throughout the year and stuff. So it, it, it was really special this year. There was a lot of very, very cool moments. Um, the, uh, that, that first game at Payne stadium was surreal on, on a lot of levels, just a, a lifelong kind of dream that, that came true. Um, and, and to do it with him and, and get, be able to hug him after the game and, and all those conversations and all the work and everything that, that finally came to fruition and, and, and we got to do that, um, you know, that, that was super special. Um, yelling at him a couple weeks later to get back in the dugout when he was getting a little mouthy with the umpires was a little bit special. Uh, you know, put him in his place for once and the, yeah. the, the shoe on the other foot. So. There was there were so many moments that we got to look back at the end of the year and, and kind of reminisce on that that just bring such a smile to your face because of because of everything that went into getting to this past spring. Right. I I, I want to do something here that uh, you know I, I've got to go back to your high school playing days, and you know I was pretty fortunate when I was at Buckeye Valley to win a lot of games and coach some really good teams. 
But unfortunately, uh, we ran into uh, you guys in the district tournament at uh, Canal Winchester there. And I just was curious to what your th your thoughts were on the matchup when we played back. God, I don't even know what, what year that was, but it was quite a, some quite some time ago. But I just wanted to hear. I know my thoughts and my assistant coaches and what we talked about, but I wanted to hear what, what you guys thought of that matchup. Yeah, so I remember I remember very, very vividly um, coming and playing, I believe it was Ohio Westland, the first game that we played you guys, or wherever it was. Somewhere up north, we drove, felt like we drove three hours to come play you guys. And and um, at that point, I didn't know much about you guys. I was a sophomore in high school, and you know, you're a sophomore, you're just, you know, a pretty talented team was doing well at the time. And um, and we were in an absolute dogfight. I remember that game, and... Uh, um, I remember scoring from second on a play to the outfield and, and just the pure emotion that went through the game. And that came straight, that emotion came straight from you and Coach Vest. And I, that's what I remember about our matchups in high school was the absolute fiery competitors that you guys were that translated onto the field um, between the two teams. And, and then the very next year, to have a tournament draw where where we were going back at it again, um, that 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 emotion spilled over from the previous year and just such a good game. Not that there was any uh, or any um, bad intention or anything like that. Just that's what makes high school sports at that level so special. Is you had such a good game the year before, an absolute dogfight. We went on to be very successful, and then to come right back into the same situation and do it again against a team with a great fiery head coach just like I had that, you know, all week in practice, it, you better believe we talked about the fact that we needed to come up there and punch you guys in the mouth straight from the first pitch because <laughs> you guys were going to try to do the same to us. And yes, uh, yeah. so, so I, I, out of all the high school games we played, those ones outside of the state tournament stuff for obvious reasons, those ones stick out just, just because of how fun and how emotional um, and, and how fiery and contested that, that, that they were. Yes, and and Greg, you were you were there for for that, and yeah, you know, what did, what did you think? Oh, same exact thing. I mean, uh, we we've talked about it a number of times, and uh, I, I just think back to you know I, I've coached with a lot of, of really good head coaches. Um, at being assistants, I I head coach for eleven years myself, but then being an assistant for another twenty or so. Um, but Coach Vest was is one of the most fiery competitors that that I've ever been around. Uh, he played for me, and then and then I had the good fortune of coaching with him, but. Uh, the the two coaches that that really stuck out to me as far as opponents were Ken Carpenter and Scott Manahan because you you guys were uh, all three of you were so much alike that you just knew that there was going to be um, it, it was going to be a fiery fiery environment um, I mean. All, all the guys are, are phenomenal. All, all three of you are are just the best. But I think you're all too much alike, <laughs> and that that led to. But yeah, it was just you, you just knew that that, that there was going to be great coaching. Uh, kids were going to be all, all coached up and 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 fundamentally sound, and it was going to be probably a two to one or three to two kind of ball game. Uh, Any time that you were going to to Buckeye Valley or or to Watterson, right? Well, Drew, you were an all-state uh, player in the state of Ohio, and uh, as a pitcher and infielder, Canal Winchester. Um, what colleges were you considering 
and uh, you ended up finally deciding on Youngstown State University. And and what? Why did you choose what Youngstown State? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, early in my high school career, um, you know, I kind of had my mindset that I wanted to go play Division One college baseball. My dad took me up to Ohio State a bunch to watch watch their games, and that just kind of instilled that that thought that you know th- this is where. This is where I want to end up. This is the level that I want to play at. And so I went to a bunch of a bunch of camps um, at, at schools around here. I knew I wanted to stay somewhere, somewhere within a radius where I wasn't too far from home. I wanted to stay in the state of Ohio or around the state of Ohio. And um, so so we went to camps of, of schools that I was interested in. Uh, went up to Kent State a handful of times, went to Toledo a handful of times. Um, had some really cool experiences where I got took an unofficial to Michigan and, and and the big house for football game and and some things like that. And when it came down to it, um, you know, the schools that I really liked um, ended up being the the Youngstown State, the uh, Toledo, and the Kent State, um, and, and went back there several times. And it, it got to the point that uh, I went to Youngstown State a handful of times, and I just it just to me it felt like home. And I, I, I people sometimes question. Um, you know, obviously I had a great high school career, was super talented and, and why Youngstown State? What why not Ohio State? Why didn't you go down somewhere south and play at a bigger school and all that stuff? And every time I stepped foot on that campus, it just it just felt like that was for me. Um, the coaching staff, I had a, I had a, t- a chance to, to be uh, be around practices and I had a chance to spend some time with the guys and, and go to basketball games and do that stuff. And um, you know, I, I, I just absolutely fell in love with the people there more than anything. And then when, when it came time to, they put together a package, um, for me to go play baseball there. And I knew it was a school that I could go compete day one for a starting job. And that was something that I felt was really important to me. It, it, it wasn't going to do me any good to go to a big name on my chest and then sit there for two years behind an all American, not that competition is not good. Um, you know, but, but the fact that, I could go there and I could I could dive in and I could compete day one. I could learn as I went, um, and, and, and so the whole package that they put together was just was something that when you coupled with how comfortable I felt on campus there and with the people there, I just I, I couldn't say no. And and over my three years there, I absolutely did not regret it one second. So um, it ended up. The, you know, a bunch of people, like I said, have, have said since then, why, why, why? And and for me, looking back, it was, it was a, a why not scenario because I, I loved every second of it. It gave me the platform to do, end up doing what I did. And and so it turned out to be turned out to be a, a, an absolute win win for for me. Well, you quickly made your your mark with the uh, Penguins and became the starter at third base and pretty much locked up the position for three years. You were a two time um, all Horizon League player, and you were also tabbed the top professional prospect in the conference. Three weeks before the draft, though, in your junior year, you blow out your knee, and so you you drop from a potential second and third round pick to a seventh rounder. That had to be a tough blow. How did you turn that negative into a positive? Yeah, what an absolute whirlwind of of emotions and a um, couple of weeks that was. That that was crazy. I was actually 14 innings away, uh, my second to last college game um, at Valparaiso, and just an absolute freak play at first base. And if I could go back and do that play a hundred times, I would have done the same thing. Jumping over the first base, just pure reaction. And when I landed, um, ended up tearing ACL, LCL, and hamstring tendon in my right knee. 
And and I remember the the shock setting in on the field instantly. And I, I it was one of those things that you know right away. You feel the pops, and you, it's the pain hadn't even set in yet. And I have I have tears running down my face, laying on the on the dirt there in Valparaiso because in my mind I, I'm so scared, I'm so freaked out, or whatever whatever emotion you want to call it. Not about the pain, but about the fact that. You know, this future that I had worked so hard for for 20 years or so at that point, all of a sudden with with one snap in my knee was going to be gone. Um, and, and so it was it was just a very, very scary, emotional time. I'll never forget uh, turning it into a positive. I'll, I'll never forget that night in Valparaiso, Indiana. Luckily, my dad, he, he drove to Valpo to because um, it was going to be my last college series. And he wanted to see me play in college one last time. And Thank goodness he did, um, because he actually switched rooms uh, at the hotel with my roommate. Because since I had torn the two ligaments plus a tendon in my knee, I was basically completely immobilized. Anytime I needed to get up to go to the bathroom, somebody had to come lift my leg up and set it down for me, and um, it, it was it was very uncomfortable. And and I remember that night, I didn't sleep a single second, and I think my dad slept maybe 30, 45 minutes, maybe max. Um, the only reason I knew that because of his snoring and wouldn't allow me to sleep anyway when he finally did sleep. Um, but it was at five o'clock in the morning and, and I got to go to the bathroom and obviously I can't get up out of bed myself. Um, so I threw a pillow at him uh, in the bed next to me and said, Hey man, can you, can you get me up out of bed? I got, I got to go to the bathroom. And he did. And when I came out of the bathroom, I said, look, man, I, I, I can't lay here anymore. Will you, can we take a lap around the hotel or go out and walk or something? And, uh, I will never forget for as long as I live, we, we did a, we did a lap and then the hotel we we're staying at was a country inn and suites and a country inn and suites is the one with those uh, porches and like porch swings on the front and has those old style rocking chairs. And I sat on, he sat me down on the porch swing and I propped my leg up on the, uh, on the table there in front and he went inside and got me a coffee and a, uh, one of those warm chocolate chip cookies. That was my breakfast for the day from the, the hotel and we sat there and watched the sunrise we were facing the east and we literally watched the sunrise in Valparaiso, Indiana. You can imagine how pretty that is. Um, and we had a conversation about, you know, the fact that, look, you know, I don't know what the next couple of weeks is going to hold. I don't know what the draft is going to hold. But the fact of the matter is, is that those ligaments in the, my knee ain't going to magically weave themselves back together. I'm going to have to go through the, the process. I'm going to have to get surgery. I'm going to have to do all this stuff and whatever it takes, that's, that's part of it. That's part of the journey at this point. And whatever happens with the draft, whatever happens with all of that. And, uh, I, I truly embraced that conversation and that kind of motto going forward, because if there's one thing that my parents taught me my whole life, it was the fact that you can only control what you can control. And there's a plan for everybody. You know, I'm going to hear that on my deathbed from, from my parents, my parents saying that a million, million times. Um, so from there on out, it was just a matter of, you know what, this is, this is my path. This is my plan. I'm going to trust in it. I'm going to go through the steps. And I did, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of dark days in there as well. Um, but I truly believe that I ended up where I was supposed to when, when the Orioles selected me in the seventh round and, and gave me a chance and they supported me for a long time after that. Um, and, and it, it, my opportunity was still there. So that that conversation sitting on the front porch of a country in a suite is, is something that will stay with me my whole life as as hey it is what it is let's roll up our sleeves let's move forward and let's let's see what happens from here because that's that's literally all you can do at that point you know he's always been as 
growing up as a player is the, the positive attitude? Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I consider Drew to be um, one of the most even-keeled uh, people that I've ever been around, you know, not just coach, but ever been around. Uh, and I think that's a, a really important characteristic or trait to have as a baseball player is to, you know, you can't let the, the highs get too high or the lows get too low. Um, and, and I think Drew is, is just, that, that's just his personality. It's just his demeanor, uh, kind of the way he goes about life in general, but it translates into being a, a, a heck of a, heck of a ball player because, you know, as, as we all know, uh, there's plenty of, plenty of ups and, and even more, more downs. And if you let those get, get the best of you, um, man, it's, it, it's, it, it's tough to make a go of it. So yeah, I think, you know, positive attitude being very even keeled, um, the fact that he's also one of the hardest worker, maybe the hardest worker that I've ever, ever coached. Um, always, always the first one in, last one out. And, um, you know, uh, throw me, throw me wiffle balls in the backyard or go over the field and take ground or, you know, just whatever it was. Uh, but I also think the the, probably the, maybe Drew's most admirable trade is just uh, that he was a great teammate, just how humble, humble he is um you know all of his all of his success uh could could very quickly go to his head uh, you know whatever and, and it does to for some athletes but uh drew always always took time for uh his teammates his coaches uh i i just the the fans you know he he uh, uh was couple different places uh in the minor leagues voted you know the community i don't even remember what you called it drew but um you know service the, award. yeah community service award um and i remember sitting at, at huntington park after a game up there against the clippers when he was in town with norfolk and uh sitting up in the box and and uh just after the game uh just looking down and you know all the canal winchester people were there supporting him and uh, he he literally was a half hour out on the rail just went right down the line talking to people you know and 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 appreciating everybody coming out to support him and everything so yeah it just uh, so so many different different characteristics that kind of blend together that that have made him the the uh, player and the person that he is and super proud of him the adjustments going to each level for you and what people that have never you know made it to that level don't really totally understand I don't think because it's 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 an adjustment at each level I'm sure yeah it definitely is I think there's an obvious one and I think there's a more underlying one and 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 the obvious one is is the speed of the game at every level is the jump is huge and 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 what gets lost in in my whole journey I think sometimes is my freshman year at Youngstown State I was not a very good college baseball player um to be honest And, and and it was really the speed of the game that I struggled to catch up with. You know, you you go from being, um, you know, most D1 athletes in high school, they're all world at in high school. You know, they, they are more physically gifted than everybody around them. And, and, I, and I had a, a physical gift to play baseball. And I got to Youngstown State and everyone, everyone is, was me, essentially. You know, everyone is that at that level. And and the speed of the game, I'm talking, um, obviously pitchers throw harder. That's That's a given. But I moved from playing middle infield to playing third base. And, and when you have 22 year old grown men 
that have been in a strength and conditioning program that are turning around 94 miles an hour fastballs down your throat at third base when you're used to playing shortstop and be able to sit back on balls and all that stuff. Balls got on me in a hurry. Um, runners get down the line in a hurry. Um, it, it, and, and every level that I went up was the exact same thing. All of a sudden, you go from playing a Division One college baseball player, you go play minor league baseball, and, and it, it picks up yet again. And every level you go up, that same that same jump happens. So I think the speed of the game is is the big obvious one in all aspects, offensively, defensively, uh, pitching. But I think I think the the not unspoken one is the reason that people go from being all world in high school to being going to college, and then some kids excel at that level and weed out the other ones is because of what goes on up up in up in your head and, and the ability to make minute adjustments is becomes so important because it's not as much about the physical side of the game anymore as it is the mental side understanding the base uh, the game of baseball how it works how the one-on-one pitcher hitter matchup how your at-bats are going being able to relay uh relate your last at bat and how what they did to exploit you to your next at bat because every team has scouting reports at that level. Every team keeps notes at that level. So being able to make adjustments on the fly, all those little minute things that in high school, to be honest with you, I, I never had to do. You know, I, I just I went up there and I saw the ball and it was floating in the strike zone and I whacked it into the gap and started running. That was just what is what it was. But the ability to make changes, the ability to process the game at a high level. That's what ch- has to change for high school players to become successful college players, from college players to have become um, successful su- successful professional baseball players. And that came for me from talking, honestly, talking with teammates. I learned more about playing college baseball from juniors and seniors at Youngstown State than I did from any coach. And that's I had great hitting coaches. I'm not the mechanics of the swing; they were great. But figuring out the mental processes of, of how to play the game at that level, what you're thinking in the box, how to approach a, a certain pitcher, things like that. Just those tiny little things that I had conversations one-on-one either at the field or away from the field that turned the corner for me. And then you turn into professional baseball and playing with guys, Trey Mancini, Mike Kostremski, played with for five, six years. Pedro Alvarez won a Silver Slugger Award. just And being in the outfield during batting practice and picking their brain about uh, what they're thinking during certain situations or at bats or whatever, and being able to incorporate not only just hearing it, but being able to take that and incorporate it into your own game. That's what allows you to continue to grow because it's not as much about the physical aspect anymore because everyone's good physically at that, at those levels. It's about turning the corner mentally. Well, you had four out of six seasons in the minor leagues where you were selected to play in the all-star game. I'd have to imagine playing the AAA game here in Columbus in front of the old, the hometown fans down in Huntington Park was pretty special. It it uh that that was one of my favorite memories in, in all of minor league baseball. Um when when my name got announced uh at Huntington Park for the All-Star game was one of those feelings you get during athletics that's hard to put into words, that's hard to replicate in other aspects of life. Um, because at, at that level, it was such a, a long road to get there. It was, you know, my fifth, I've been playing five and a half years or so, essentially, at that point. And a lot of those times you're in, you're in small towns. For me, it was in North Carolina and Virginia and all those places. That's where our leagues were. And, and 
you don't get a ton of support in those league or in those places. And, you know, it's a, it's a long time going without seeing your family. My wife here and, and stayed home and, and worked during while I was gone. My, my uh, parents and, and siblings and stuff, you know, they would make, they did a great job making out to see me play, but you go months at a time without really seeing a familiar face or a smile or a friendly cheer or things like that. And, um, to be able to run out onto the field that night and, and hear and feel that energy was was phenomenal. I remember I went to, up to bat my my first at bat. I finally got I got in the game. I was a reserve. I got in the game in like the sixth inning. I went to bat and the catcher of the other team because they announced me from Columbus, Ohio, and then announced me. And the crowd went nuts. And and the catcher on the other team, I still started getting the box. And he said to me, he's like, "Hey man, you just got to step out for a second and enjoy this." And I thought for a, an opposing catcher, granted it's an all star game, we're having fun. Um, to, to recognize the magnitude of that moment and f- tell me as an opposing player, hey, man, you got soaked this in because you don't get this very very often, was pretty special, and it, and it truly was very special. Well, Greg, you, you've seen a, a lot of great accomplishments by, by Drew, um, and I got to go back to the high school days watching uh, Drew and Grant, uh, Drew's brother, as battery mates in the no hitter back in high school and taking going from that and playing in the triple A all-star game, those things have to rank pretty high for you, I would think. Oh, there's, there's, uh, you know, a a handful of moments, uh, that, that stick out in, in my mind. And, and, uh, you know, when the the boys were growing up and, and I was coaching them, one thing we always talked about, one thing we always talked about with with Drew being a pitcher and Grant being a catcher was someday, um, you know, seeing a dosh to dosh battery mate no hitter in in the newspaper. And I've still got the clipping in in my office here um, from from the dispatch the day after it was Grant's um, uh, senior night. We were playing Bloom Carroll, uh, really? our arch rival, and a place that I had coached for been the head coach for eight years. And uh, uh, Drew threw a, a five-inning uh, run rule no hitter, and his brother was was the was the catcher. And uh, as soon as the game was over, uh, Grant Grant flips me the baseball, and and just just because of something that, that we had always always talked and dreamt about, it was it was very very cool. Um, again, the the, the All Star game in, in Columbus was was just unforgettable uh another time in columbus um it was it was late in the game and and uh the clippers were were beating the tides really bad uh but the whole third base side was still full late in the game of all the canal winchester folks up there and and drew comes up and he uh he bangs a ball off of his own picture on the scoreboard for, for a home run at, at Huntington Park. It was just, and, and, and the place just erupted. And the next thing I know is, <laughs> Drew, I look in the dugout and Drew's teammates for the Tides are pushing him out the dugout steps to take a curtain call at the opposing team's field because of all the, all the uh, Canal Winchester fans that were there. And that, that was certainly one that, that I'll remember for a long time too. Guy threw, well, they- guy threw 98 and he hung a, 88 mile an hour change up belt high. That's probably not very smart when you throw 98. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, the, Drew, the game has brought you full circle. Now you're back at Canal Winchester High School where you graduated. 
you're the head baseball coach and your dad's the assistant. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, what is the most important message you have for your players about the game of baseball? I, I, we, we talk a ton. We absolutely talk a ton in the baseball program about using baseball as a platform to be better people, um, better off the field than on the field. Um, because that's what I'm about uh, in all honesty. And, and my dad touched on it briefly about, you know, some of the things I've done. I don't, I don't love talking about myself. I'm not going to lie, but you know, that the, I tr- always tried, I, I tried my best every single day to, to be more than what a typical athlete was, or you get the jokes about the athletes taking rocks for jocks in college and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, 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 like I said, I won some community service awards. I prided myself on getting out there and doing all these other things. And, and we talk a ton in the baseball program about about using baseball as your vessel or your platform to do other things. And, and, and you know, we talk about the pillars of our baseball program and re- respecting um, being first class off the field and respecting um, respecting the game, respecting all the people involved in the game. And and I truly, truly believe in that. And when you do those, when you do all of those things, and and, and you are complete in those areas then it's going to translate onto the baseball field. And then you can experience success on the baseball field. Cause like we said, failure is, is a given failure is a prerequisite for playing baseball. And that's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the game. And so when you can, when you can incorporate all that other stuff, it's going to allow you to handle the adversity and those, those downtimes on the field much, much better. And, and so we, we really strive to do that in the mental side of the game. Obviously we get in there and we, you know, there ain't nothing better than getting in the cage with a high school kid and and going to work for 20, 30 minutes or whatever. And, and banging balls off the back of the screen and all that kind of stuff. But there's so much more that goes into it that as now coming back as an educator and as a, 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 a teacher of the game and coach that we try to make sure that we incorporate. Well, Craig, I got to ask you this: you, you've you've done the parent route of a of a great athlete, but you've also been a you know a coach for quite some time. And what message would you have for parents who have great expect expectations for their son or daughter when they play sports? And obviously, you know, it's very apparent you did things the right way. Yeah, it's uh, boy, it's it's tough in this day and age. You know, everybody. Everybody uh, wants to think that their kid is a is a college scholarship uh, type of player. Uh, in reality, you know, there's only a, a small, small, minute percentage of, of kids that get that opportunity. Uh, so I guess my my biggest message is kind of going back and feeding off what what Drew just said is, you know. Obviously, work hard at, at, at the game and, and uh, do anything and everything you can to become the best baseball player that you can be. But at the end, you, you want to be the best person that you can be, you know, and and, and do things the right way. Uh, you know, hit, hit the books that, you know, we're, we're student athletes. You know, the student student comes first for a reason in, in that in that little phrase. Uh, so hit, hit the books and and uh Get involved in community service and, and all those kind of things, because I mean, just look at Drew. That you know, he, he was fortunate enough to have all those those opportunities, but still, now as a, a 28, 29 year old young man, 
he's got to come back and get in the real world still, you know. And and so here he is, and and as a as a went back and got finished his teaching degree, and and now is is able to to pass that on what all all of his experiences to somebody else. So you know, athletics is just a small microcosm of life and and you you got to prepare your kids for life first and foremost and you know if they can be a a special premier athlete and and fortunate enough to go on and play in college uh then that's that that's just the 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 cherry on top well that kind of leads into what i wanted to say next and you know i think one of the most important parts of education is participating in a team sport. In so many ways, it, it helps prepare you for life. You know, it kind of goes along with what you guys are saying. You know, you find success, you deal with failure, teamwork, discipline, it goes on and on. And, you know, Drew, what are your thoughts on being a team player? Well, I think, like you said, being involved in a team sport is, is absolutely invaluable. And I know that sports isn't for isn't for everyone. And I, I've had this conversation with, uh, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate. I, I teach freshmen here at the high school and, you know, freshman year can be an interesting year for a lot of kids coming into the high school. And, and, and week one, um, I talked to them about trying to get involved in something that we offer here at the high school. And even if, it, if sports wasn't your thing, but the, the, the companionship and the togetherness and, and all the stuff that is involved especially in sport um, when, when, you know, the chips are down and you have to be able to rely on the people next to you, you know, that, that is, that is, like you said, that's life because in your family and your nuclear family, at some point, whether it's with your parents, your siblings, whether, you know, my, my players grow up and get married and have kids and all this stuff, you're going to have to, you're going to be in those situations where you're going to have to lean on somebody. You're going to have to rely on somebody in work. You're going to be in those same situations. So experiencing the trials, tribulations and the successes with people and learning all of those things that, that you just talked about. Um, and, and the, like you said, the list goes on and on to time management to, to, to so many different aspects of, of development as a whole, a whole person. Um, not just an athlete that the applications for sport is so wide ranging. And, and, and I, 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 so in, I'm such a big encourager of getting involved in, and in whether it be sports, whether it be band, whether it be drama, I, I don't care what it is, do something where you're going to have to get out there. Maybe you're going to have to meet some people. Maybe you're going to have to be uncomfortable for a second. Um, but go through that process because you'll come out the other side. You'll come out the other side better for it. Okay, I'd like to finish up with with you guys with a, a simple question: Why coach? And Greg, if you want to go first, and we'll Drew, you finish it up, bring it home. Well, I just uh, you know it goes back to um, the, just the, the the teachers and and coaches that I had growing up. I know that's kind of a uh, maybe an answer you hear uh, all too often, but it's very true in my case. Uh, we just we just actually. Uh, uh, had a funeral for my for my uncle uh, about two weeks ago, uh, and and my uncle Mark was was my English teacher in high school, and he big reason big reason that I got into teaching and coaching. Uh, to me, you know, there's uh, arguably there's there's no more 
honorable profession than um, than what we do. And and to have kids come back uh, later and and life and and thank you and 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 tell you the the profound impact that you had on them. I, to me, there's there's no better feeling. Uh, it just the. The, the gratification to know that you are a role model, you're a mentor, uh, you have the opportunity to be those things. Um, and, and uh, you know, when, when, when you see that, that students truly appreciate the time and the effort that, that goes into it and, and take the time to come back and thank you, um, it, it makes it all so gratifying and so worthwhile. Right. I'm sorry, Drew. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I think it's easy. I, I, it's the relationships for me. You know, obviously the, the baseball has a special place in my heart. Uh, it's been a huge part of what I've done for a long, long time. And, and I will, um, I would certainly miss it. There ain't no doubt about that. You know, the being the X, not the X's nose, but the, the being in a cage and, and hitting and, and, or talking baseball swings and all this stuff. I would miss that, but, but, Above all else, it's and, and I haven't done it for a, a terribly long time, but it's the relationships and and growing up with my dad, who who I thought excelled at at that piece of coaching and teaching forever. And like he said, going around the grocery store, I can't go shopping with this man because he gets stopped by ten people in the local the local Meyer or Walmart, and our twenty minute uh, shopping spree is an hour and a half because everyone has to talk and tell him how he was their favorite teacher or coach that he ever they ever had. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, I don't have those, that bank of experiences yet. Uh, but being out there with the guys every day, um, you know, my favorite part about playing as stupid as it sounds was the time in the locker rooms. It was the time on those long bus rides when everyone's miserable and you got to find ways to have fun and entertain yourself and all that stuff It's being around the guys and building those friendships that are going to last a lifetime. My best friends in the world, the guys that stood next to me at my wedding were those guys. And I'm not saying that that's the necessarily the relationship you have as a coach, but to be able to foster that environment, being able to build a, a mentor relationship, being able to try to prepare them on and off the baseball field for what's going to happen next, that it, there's just nothing better than that. So being out there with them for those two hours or whatever it is every day, wouldn't trade that in, wouldn't trade it in for anything. Well, guys, I, I really have to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to uh, join me here on the athlete one podcast. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be safe to say that uh, canal Winchester baseball is going to be in some pretty good hands with, with you two guys running the show down there. And, you know, I, I wish you the great success and thanks so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. It was an absolute blast. Thank you, Ken. It's uh, it, it, to do this with Drew and, and somebody that I, I uh, looked up to and, and respect so much uh, as yourself, uh, it's just been a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for baseball and softball, including backstops, batting cages, BP turtles, BP screens, ball carts, and more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, and dugout cubbies. The netting pros also work with football, soccer, lacrosse, 
and golf courses. Betting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational high school, college, and professional fields and facilities throughout the country. Contact them at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them on www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for their latest products and projects. And last of all, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, rate the show, and leave a review. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Athlete One Podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining.